ダバダバダ
and was able to come home to an empty place. And uh, I was said, oh, I'll, I'll do another podcast. But then, um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how it happens or why it happens or where it comes from. It just, something falls out of the sky sometimes and uh, you get struck with an idea and uh, I needed to flesh that. So I grabbed the acoustic, started picking at something, had a little riff idea. I actually had um, a pretty, um, in well, not in, I don't want to say involved. I had a, a drum pattern that I sort of had in my head that I thought would work with this thing. That's how it really started. I had a drum pattern that uh, I started banging on my knees and tapping my foot on the floor and came up with a little thing. And and then I was like, oh, well, this might go good with this uh, little, maybe I could find some chords to go with this and maybe we can do a thing and put a little structure to it. Pulled out the Pulled out the drum machine, dusted the drum machine off it had been sitting on a shelf, and uh, plugged the drum machine into the Bluetooth speaker, and uh, pounded out my little pattern. put a, Put it in song form. Played the you know a couple different patterns that I had. Put a little small, small little arrangement. Came up with a guitar thing, and recorded it into the phone, and. Uh, I don't know what I'll use it for. What if it'll get used? Um, maybe, uh, maybe the Zed. Get, maybe we can use it with Zed. I don't know. It's a little different than anything Zed would really do. Um, so hopefully, I can just give them a spark, and they can change it at will and put whatever Zed-like chords to it to make it. Um, I definitely write from a completely different angle than those guys. They have a I got a thing that they do, and it's kind of nice. Uh, it's nice when you're in a band, and, and the band has a sound. There's a thing that the band does. There's certain parameters. Uh, I think I've maybe widened their parameters a little bit more um, uh, as uh, groove-oriented as that band is, uh, which I uh, held on to. I think I um, gave them a little bit more power. Maybe make things a little heavier just by the nature that I play. And uh, uh, I think I made it rock a little bit more too. I think uh, I think there's more rocking going on. Uh, I don't know. And that's, you know, maybe I'm uh, inside it a little bit too much now. But definitely I came up with something that's uh, maybe even more metal than what they would. More metal. It's a little bit more metal. A little bit more metal, right? Um... Maybe a little bit more metal than they might be used to doing. But again, it's just an idea. Just something to throw out there. You throw things out there. You see what sticks. Here's what I've learned over the years being a musician. Um, if you're in a band and everybody started, uh, everyone's contributing to the writing process, um, I sort of have a knack for arranging, uh, hearing a couple riffs, being able to put them together. Um this one sounds more like a verse. That one sounds more like a chorus. Uh, I don't know. I just, I hear the parts. I can string them together so they make sense um, a little bit better. Uh, I don't know, maybe a better flow of, of, of the, the, the chords and the, and the riffs. Um, I come up with a riff here and there. I'm not a very good guitar player. Uh, to even call myself a guitar player is an insult to guitar players. But I'll pick the thing up and 
pluck out a little thing here and there. And, um, and that's what I did just now. So, uh, I had to put that down and get that out of the thing before I could do the, the podcast. And I had time to do it because there's an empty place here. And it was nice. It was very nice. I feel like I've gotten through some stuff. I think I got something out of my system a little bit. Um, recorded it. Was able to share it in the in the Zed uh, uh, group text thread. And uh, we'll see how they hate it. <laughs> We'll see. Um, we'll see how they critique it. You know, again, like I, I feel like if you're if you're contributing and you're writing and you're coming up with ideas, you gotta put your ego away. You gotta just you have to completely check it. You have to just know that hey, not everybody's gonna dig what you come up with. You throw it out there. If they dig it and you can work on it, do it. Work on it as a group. Put it together and make it happen. Great. If they want to tweak it, fine. Have at it. If they think it's complete dog shit, fine. Also, it doesn't matter. Um, the process is important. It might spark a whole other idea. It might spark something else, and it's not even anything near what I came up with original uh, originally. And you move on, and you do something else. It, 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 you have to you have to put your ego away. You can't be so set on an idea that uh this is the way it's got to be and and uh, play it this way or whatever it shouldn't matter shouldn't have you shouldn't be hanging on to that kind of stuff unless unless you're the sole songwriter in the band and everyone sort of is taking uh uh you you're taking the lead in the in the whole in the whole charge and everyone's sort of following suit and uh, one guy is coming up with all the stuff, and here you play this part this way. You're gonna play this part that way, and uh, I'm gonna sing this over that. And uh, you know, um, there are, there are bands that are like that. There are bands where it's obviously it's one guy and running the show, and uh, you know. And then there's other times. This is always interesting where you think there's a guy running the show and coming up with a majority of stuff, and you find out that he's not really writing everything. In fact, not even writing the best stuff. Um, well, Anthrax is a good example of that. Um, you would think Scott Ian being a riff monster coming up with the uh, riff after riff after riff. Uh, lo and behold, the drummer, Charlie Benante, actually writes a good portion of the Anthrax material. Um, might even be even like 50-50. Uh, uh, but not too many people realize that Charlie Benante even plays the guitar, and uh, you know I would be I'd be interested that who comes up with the moshier riffs. I mean, at one point Scott Ian wrote shaved the word "not" into his chest, and or was it mosh? Was it not? It was not, huh? I was thinking he shaved mosh into his chest hair back in the day. It's a hairy man. When you can shave letters into your chest hair, you've got you've got a, a a high density of hair follicles close enough together to create such a backdrop of darkness that when you shave naked parts, that it you can create a little picture. Uh, anyway, the hairy dude, but yeah, Charlie Bernante right be writing riffs, yo, and. Uh, uh, Dave McLean from uh, when he was in Machine Head wrote a few riffs here and there. 
Uh, I actually heard a was an interview with I think Rob Flynn. He was saying something about uh, the un <laughs> the unsung hero of Machine Head uh, being Dave McLean with his riff writing ability. Uh, I think it's it's cool. It should come from whoever it comes from. Of course, an example of somebody that runs the show. Mr. Flynn definitely runs the show over there. Um, let's see. Uh, I heard something the other day. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and they were describing this landscape. And they said it was beautiful. It was this beautiful landscape. It was something right out of a movie. And I paused. I was like... What do you mean something out of a movie? Um, the shit you see in movies, especially if it's shot on location. That's it. That's where it is. That's a place. That's a real place. It's not like they made it up. If it's like some CGI complete bullshit background, whatever, that's a whole different thing. But a lot of times something out of a movie that they were describing they went somewhere and they couldn't believe how beautiful it looked and it looked like something out of a movie like well a fucking movie might have been shot there and that was a background of the thing it's like we are so um compared we, we compare so much of real life to what we see in entertainment and we forget that fucking art imitates life you would not have that amazing backdrop as something that you saw in a movie if it wasn't a real fucking thing. Like that's real. That, that like we're so we live in such a people's pers- perspective of life is so fucked and twisted now that it's like it's, <laughs> there is reality and then there is the um the bullshit that you put up online or the uh the Instagram filter and the the dog ears and all this fakeness that you show the world that you're doing and i i've I've sort of scratched my head at that and always kind of not understood what that was about, but like we're just i just i don't know the saying it looked like something out of a movie really bothered me. Um, because it's just, it's, there's real stuff out there, peoples. There's real things. That's a real, I just, uh, something right out of a movie. Uh, they shot, I guarantee they shot something there. If you thought it was out of a movie, you know, they fucking, I don't know. Not, it's not that amazing. I mean, there's amazing set builders, but Jesus, you know, like, there's a lot of Hollywood magic that makes stuff happen too, but at the same time, there's a lot of real shit that they use, you know. Um, just live in the now, live in the real. Don't don't rely on everything you're seeing to tell you what is reality. There is real stuff out there. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I um. Uh, I also heard this uh, was. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. Um, not why inspired me to do this podcast, but it's just, you know, podcasts are interesting. I think it's interesting hearing just people just talk, uh, especially if they're interesting people uh, or if I'm a fan of the person, you know. Uh, I do stand-up comedy, so I do listen to a lot of comic-hosted uh, uh, podcasts. Um, 
uh, obviously Joe, the Joe Rogan podcast, the big biggest one in the, on the planet, right? Um, I enjoy uh, your mom's house, Tom Segura and uh, his wife uh, Christina Shipitsitsky or whatever Pishitsitsky or nobody can pronounce her name correctly. Um, uh, Bert's podcast, yeah, Bert, uh, Bert Kreischer and Bill Burr have a podcast together now. Uh, the Bill and Bert podcast. Uh, <clears throat> uh, what else do I check out? Uh, uh, the Dollop is another podcast I check out. Uh, very interesting. Uh, sort of uh, tell you about a little nugget of history that uh, you might have not known about. And um, the one guy reads the his- historical thing and the other guy who doesn't know what the... Uh, uh, what the subject's going to be about uh, sort of riffs and makes fun of it. Um, uh, like uh, last podcast on the left does something very similar, uh, but they tend to go down the road of uh, very dark and twisted things uh, or cults or serial killers and stuff like that. Also very interesting, um, and it's funny hearing them shit on things. Uh, I listened to a twelve uh, six-part uh, series that they did on Mormonism that was mind blowing. Uh, let's see, uh, Dean Del Rey's podcast, Let There Be Talk. I enjoy that. Um, especially that he's a Bay Area guy, formerly, and, uh, and a former musician. So he talks about a lot of, uh, clubs and stuff that used to be, used to was, he used to book the stone alongside my buddy Jimmy, uh, Arcano. Um, uh, what else do I check out? Uh, uh, I'll check out some of the smarty guy stuff like, uh, Sam Harris's, uh, making sense podcast and, uh, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan B. Peterson's podcast, which are basically just his, uh, his lectures and, uh, from his tours that he does. Uh, I like that stuff cause I'm not, I'm not very smart, but I enjoy listening to really smart guys talk and how, uh, how they put things together. I feel that it sort of seeps in somehow and helps me uh helps me talk better maybe helps me speak about things helps me pontificate on a subject matter uh a little bit better than uh maybe I had before and maybe that helps me do this I doubt it cuz I listen back I don't listen back often but once in a while I do listen back and I hear a lot of uh um, blah, what is the next thing? You know, so I hear myself being stupid. So, and I'm fine with that. I accept that. It is who I am. Uh, I always reference the shitty, shitty school district of Hayward Unified, and um, and I blame them more often than not for my lack in education. Uh, I did go to college after that. Um, I went to you know. <laughs> Cal State Hayward, formerly Cal State Hayward, now Cal State East Bay. And uh, it's the only uh, college I applied for. And because I could see the the administrative building, I could see it from my backyard as it sat up on the hill uh, from where I lived. I didn't apply to any other college. If I wasn't going to get in there, I wasn't going to go. But I got, they let me in. But I think they let almost anybody in basically a state it's a state college but 
can probably be a community college. I mean, it's really <laughs> no, it's a great school. It's a great school. Well, a very good business school. Apparently, it's always been really. Good. I don't know what it's what it's uh, doing these days. Um, the just put it this way: when I was there, the business department had become so large that half of the um, half of the music building was dedicated to business classes. Um, and, and at that time out of the state schools, Cal State Hayward had, uh, uh, next to probably, um, the conservatory at San Francisco state, uh, Cal State Hayward probably had the number two, uh, state school music program at the time in the mid, uh, mid nineties. At least that's what I was told. I could be completely full of shit and somebody lied to me, but, um, it was a good school for music. And now it's, uh, I don't know what is it. I don't hear about that school. At one point, Stanford Jazz um, very much looked up to the Cal State Hayward Jazz Ensemble uh, conducted by one Dave Eshelman. So uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Stanford Hayward killing it in the jazz apartment. Um, There's a... um, Anyway... I had heard, I was listening to a podcast, I forget what it was, and uh, I just heard the host um, being very careful about what he was saying. And I don't, I don't mind that as much as how transparent it was in really trying not to uh, say the wrong thing, and it felt... It felt dishonest in the trying to be woke. Um, like really trying to say the right thing. Trying to trying to sound like he's on the right side of whatever history is, is right now. And um, it's sort of, it just, and I could be completely off on this. I could be completely wrong. But it just seemed very unauthentic. It just didn't seem like this person was really on that side of the thing. And I don't know why, I don't know what's given me, and again, I can't remember what I was listening to that made me think this, but there was just a lot of uh, sort of pause and find the right word in the situation as to not piss anybody off or shake things up. And if you're, if, don't we need that? Don't we need the... Don't we need to poke the hornet's nest once in a while? Don't we need to, you know, rile things up and get things, get juices flowing? I'm not saying being an antagonist. Um, maybe a slight provocateur is okay. Um, I just, if that's who you are, by all means, that's who you are. Be that, be the socially conscious uh, mecca that you want to be or, or guru or whatever it is. Be the best person that you can be, by all means. If that's what you are, and if you are so uh, open-minded and conscious and sympathetic and empathetic towards every little aspect and facet of uh, being social in the world, thumbs up to you, sir or madam. That's awesome. But... If you're not, roll with that. 
try, I guess, but don't try so hard that you just you're just faking it. You're a poser then. You're being a poser. You know what I mean? I definitely will say the wrong thing, and I'm sure if you've listened to these podcasts, I've said the wrong thing. Uh, most of the time, if I say the wrong thing, I realize that I am saying the wrong thing, but maybe I'm making a joke, and maybe I'm using the wrong thing to get some humor across. And then some people say, oh, no, no, you don't. You shouldn't be punching down. I don't think I ever punched down. I just If something's funny, it's funny. You can't can't start drawing lines on what is funny and what isn't funny does it did it make you laugh or did you go to try to laugh but you realize that it was wrong to laugh at that so you're not gonna laugh at that because you're so worried about what everybody might think you think is funny if you are pu- pulling back and not really letting go and just like bah, that was good that was funny you know because you're worried about everybody else's judgment you know you're worried about what what uh you worry about what people are gonna think about you because you laughed at the thing, you know it's just it, it, you're not being honest. Laughter is the one thing that is a true, true knee jerk reaction uh, to a thing it's it, like if something makes you laugh, it makes you laugh and, and it's just you it, you're not thinking about it. It's a subcon. It's just boom. It hits you. Bah! You laugh. You know, and it, 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 that's all it should be. It shouldn't be. Oh my god! I can't believe I laughed at that. Oh, that's so wrong. Oh, uh, babies are precious, and and uh, and I shouldn't shouldn't be laughing at anything that would uh, suggest harm or 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 whatever. It just it, it doesn't make you laugh. That's I mean, bottom line. Just let it go. Laugh. You're you're gonna live longer. I guarantee it. They got studies on this shit. You're gonna just fucking laugh if it's funny. Laugh. You know, it's like I don't know. Shoot first, ask questions later. I don't know. Just don't get hung up on hung up on things that you don't really need to be hung up on. I guess I don't know. We're too worried. We're way too worried about things. Worried about what people think. Worried about what how people are judging us. If they're your friend, they know who you are. It shouldn't matter. If it's a stranger, who gives a fuck what they think? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just do your thing, man. Do your thing. Like I say, keep your circle small. Help out your friends. Be as good as you can to your folks that are close to you. And if we all do that, I think we'll be way better off than... Uh, if we're uh, trying to help everyone and solve all the problems all at one time, I just don't think, uh, I think that's really hard. And uh, not that I'm about, not that I'm not about trying to do things that are hard, but um, you know what? Do what you can. Keep your folks in your circle cool. There is a, um, there's an intersection here in uh, in Castro Valley, the little town I live in, north of the town I grew up in. Uh, this little town, Castro Valley, has a intersection. It's the intersection of Castro Valley Boulevard and Stanton Avenue. Uh, if you are coming uh, south on Stanton Avenue as it meets Castro Valley Boulevard, 
there is a no turn right sign. You can't turn right on the Castro Valley Boulevard from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the morning, Monday through Friday. They have a limit on being able to turn right from Staten Avenue, turning right on the Castro Valley Boulevard. And I now there is a a, a, a jiffy lube on that corner. Uh, you have to turn right or left on the Castro Valley Boulevard because there is one way traffic coming at you. It's actually the freeway uh, uh, part of a freeway uh, off ramp right there. Uh, there's a Wendy's and a McDonald's across the street. Oncoming traffic is one way. Um, there's the light that you have makes you turn left or makes you turn right. Uh, there's a gas station that has been to the, the, the left hand corner. There's a gas station that has been fenced around and boarded up for, I want to say 10 years, if not longer. Uh, and there's just now a uh, life of maybe it's going to come back. And, um, uh, back about a half block, there is a daycare. There's a church with a pretty, uh, involved daycare, uh, I remember when I drove when I drove the short bus. I uh, I would have to drop kids off there once in a while. Um, uh, I don't Monday through Friday, seven a.m. to nine a.m. No turn right. You can't turn right, and I just can't figure out why. I cannot figure out why you can't turn right during that time. It's like the middle of the commute. Um. It actually makes more traffic because it backs up once that light's red. The traffic backs up a good quarter mile up up Stanton. And uh, I just, I can't figure out why you can't turn right right there. The traffic, you, you pull out, you can see the traffic coming up Castro Valley Boulevard, coming uh, from the east, going west. If there's a break, you can easily pull out. In fact, when you pull out, you almost have your own lane because I think it goes from uh, two lanes to three. Um, four if you count the turning lane that's on the left side. Anyway, it's just – it's an odd, odd thing. I've I've been – ever and they put it there only last year. It's, it's, not like, it's not like it's been there this whole time. They just put it there and uh, I, I just can't figure out what it is. It, it – it, I <laughs> spent a lot of time thinking about um, what the fuck is, why can't you turn right right there? And I've seen a sheriff sit right there trying to pinch people for uh, uh, for turning right and uh, and get a few. Uh, speaking of which, uh, last podcast I talked about the power outages and, uh, and stuff. Uh, uh, in my little area, the power was out for uh, uh, almost three days and... Uh, the power is out, then uh, the Wi-Fi is down because the cell phone towers are not working. Uh, there was a, the the signal lights were out, so of course, you know, if the signal light is out, you treat the signal as a four-way stop or whatever. You just treat it as a stop sign, correct? At least that's what I was told. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, apparently, a lot of people don't know that, and if the light is out, people will run the light. They won't even stop. They'll just blast right through it as if there was no light there at all and no uh, nothing to tell you to stop. Uh, maybe that's the logic there. Well, there's nothing to tell me to stop, so I'm going to go through it. Um, 
and I saw a sheriff having a field day, a absolute field day, um, just watching people run the intersections, not treat it as a stop uh, or four-way stop, three-way stop, whatever you want to do, uh, and just having, a, he was on a bike, and he was just, I had uh, drove through this area in the morning, and I saw him, had somebody pulled over, I came back through a few hours later, he had another person pulled over, same dude, on a uh, sheriff on a bike, sort of pudgy, you know, he looked he looked too big to actually be on a bike, you know when a really big person is on a bike, it just doesn't look right, it's like what you know, I, anyway that's not a slam to big people see there i am i'm i'm worried about being too uh 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 picking on the big people but hey fat people you don't look right on a motorcycle how about that i just said it i said it i put it out there in the world i said it you don't look right get a fucking car pour pour your fat <laughs> you ever see you ever see a really really big person sitting behind the wheel of a car and maybe it's a smaller car. Maybe it's a car that, that is, it's just a small car. And they're in, they're behind the wheel and they're in there and they, their head is sort of, their head is sort of tilted back because there's so much body mass underneath them that they can't pull their head down to look straight. So they're almost, so, so, so the, so they have to have their head back and they're looking down their face to look out the windshield. And it looks like, and they're, they're I mean, they're, most cars, there's only so much space in the driver's seat, and it looks like they've, it looks like somebody poured them. They got poured into the seat because the way they're just smashed in there. Anyway, big people drive cars. Please don't get on a motorcycle, and definitely don't get on a scooter. You're, I don't know, it just looks, it just it looks dangerous. It looks dangerous. It looks like your ass is going to swallow the scooter. It just, just, I'm getting fat. That's the problem. I'm getting fat and uh, all this energy and talking bad about fat people is um, my own uh, self-reflection on uh, how I'm feeling about my size. I don't know. I'm, I doubt that's what it is. I'm kind of bullshitting you right now, but just saying anyway pudgy sheriff on a bike fucking rack getting his quota for the month for people running the stop sign and it was uh it was a sight to see it was uh, pretty funny and uh i was I, I was laughing i was laughing throughout the day thinking about the pudgy sheriff just cleaning up pulling people over it was uh it was good. It was good. It was good. Uh what do I got coming up? Um November I'm gonna look at the calendar. Look at the calendar. Oh, uh, did I put it on the calendar? I don't even think I put it on the calendar. Oh, I did put it on the calendar. Oh uh, I'm supposed to do that thing, but I got a gig. So uh oh, November seventh coming up. Um Hayward, California, the Bistro downtown, first Thursday of the month, Bistro, uh, the Boyles Bistro Blowout, that is my monthly show in downtown Hayward, uh, this month, uh, the godfather of Bay Area comedy, as we love and 
endearingly call him Mr. Tony Sparks is headlining the Bistro um, on Thursday. That is the 7th. We'll be there doing that. Who else do I got on that? I think I got Teddy Hall on that. Uh, I think Nina G is going to do a guest set, I believe. I'm not sure, and I can't remember who else is on that bill because I do not prepare. Uh, but that's 7th and the 9th. I'll be at Kirby's. Uh, sports bar in Fremont doing the ha-ha funny funny. Uh, Kabir Singh, uh, he asked me to do Kirby's and I'm always uh, flattered that he asked me to uh, do any sort of shows with Kabir Singh. But then I realize, oh, that's right. Kirby's doesn't have a PA. He needs me to bring his bring my PA. He's using me for my equipment fuck it i'll take it jack i don't care put me on a show i'll take bring whatever you want i don't give a shit at this point um lugging gear around is if you've listened to these podcasts and you remember what i've said to you um i've been playing in bands a long time since i was 14 or 15 been playing in clubs and bands I have lugged gear around, a lot of it. And um, to bring a couple speakers and a PA head for a fucking comedy show is pretty easy. Not a, I can fit that shit in, in, in the Honda, okay? I don't have to use the truck. So it's, it's not a big deal. Um, showing up for comedy gigs is, it's, I mean, you show up 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes before the show starts, you go up and you do your show. You know, um, show starts at eight. You got there at seven forty-five. Okay, it's pretty standard. Uh, not if you're in a band, though. If you're in a rock band, your day starts. If that show's at eight o'clock. Uh, your day getting ready for that gig might start as early as three or four in the afternoon. There's getting the gear out of the rehearsal space or out of your home. Drums, PA, uh, guitars, amps, all the, all, the, all the things a band needs. Maybe you meet at the rehearsal spot and maybe a band member has a big enough van or, or something to get all the band's gear in one vehicle. Or maybe you've rented. Maybe you've rented a thing. Maybe you got a big thing that you rent and you get all the gear in there. Everyone... Hey, we're meeting down at the studio at four. Let's load up. And you load up and you got to get there because the club wants you there before the doors open. So doors open at seven if the show's starting at eight. So they want everybody in. And maybe, hey, maybe if it's a good enough club, you get the sound check. And you, so you get in there. So you got to get there early to sound check. I'm saying the amount of work put into a live music performance versus showing up to do some comedy it's pretty night and day uh, so i one time uh i was supposed to be on a show at Cobbs, and uh, i don't did i tell this on the podcast or not i'll tell it again i don't give a shit um uh, i showed up at Cobbs. kabir singh asked me to do a show and uh i go are you sure i'm on this show because i'm not on the flyer he's like you're on the show i don't worry i i made a mistake and i didn't get you on the flyer just be there I show up at Cobbs and Kabir is not there. He is not there. Uh, 
He has a friend, a buddy of his running the show for him. Kabir doesn't really run a show. He just kind of... Kabir forgets who he asks to do shows. And then the show day comes and there's 10 spots maybe. And he's asked 17 people to be on the show. And um, seven people are not getting on the show. So you show up. And hey, you're not on the list. What do you mean I'm not on the list to talk to Kabir? Here's the here's the text message back and forth. Um, so I tried to get on the show and I could not get on the show. So uh, I couldn't get on a show at Cobb's. I've I've done Cobb's twice. So this would have been the third time, um, and couldn't get on. No big deal. I'll just go. It was a Sunday. Happened to be a Sunday, and uh, for. Uh, Bay Area Comics, they know uh, Sunday means uh, the Punchline Sunday Showcase, whatever the fuck they call it. Uh, Punchline sort of runs a sort of that's sort of their open mic. You show up every Sunday in hopes that the um, the the manager will recognize you showing up and you're paying your dues and you're showing your diligence and showing how dedicated you are to the craft because you show up every week to try to go up. And uh, if he recognizes you from coming in for week after week after week, he knows that you're serious and he'll put you up and you better do good and you better not treat it like an open mic and, 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 and try to work on some material. You better fucking knock that shit out of the park with your A material, your best stuff that you have. And then uh, hopefully uh, he'll ask you a few times after that. And maybe you do well enough that they pass you as and then you can be a... Somebody that they call in for hosting when the big dogs come in on the weekends or whatever. Uh, that's how their system works at the punchline. It's not the best system. It's not the most uh, supportive system, but it is a system nonetheless. And a lot of comics try to make that happen to make their dreams come true. I never have a Sunday fucking open to even go down there, so I hardly ever go down there. This, however, I was in the city. It was in San Francisco. Could not get on the Cobb show. I even posted about it on Facebook. Ah, probably too good to be true anyway. I knew I wasn't getting on the show. Well, oh well. And I head over to Punchline, see a bunch of comic friends I know, hang out. We have some conversation. Someone apparently had checked their Facebook and saw my post. And saw me being jovial and laughing and joking around. And they came up to me and was like, hey, man, um, I'd be fucking pissed if I showed up at the show and didn't get on. You know, I drove all the way over here. Blah, blah, blah. You live in the East Bay. Blah, blah. I'm like, hey, I've driven halfway across the state with a van full of fucking gear to play for three people and a crumbled up flyer on the floor. Okay. Like showing up to a comedy show before it starts and not being able to get on big fucking difference than driving as far as you fucking we i drove to fucking fresno one time from the bay area to play a show nobody was fucking there one of the other bands didn't even show up um you know what i mean so it's not a fucking big deal to me you know what i mean to show up to a comedy show and not get on i can give a shit um it's just it's I've been doing it a long time. I'm glad to show up at a comedy show and not have to bring fucking gear. Are you kidding me? It's awesome. Uh so it's it's fine. It's fine. I, I the and that's probably the only difference uh, or one of the biggest differences between comedy and music is definitely the gear. Um 
But there's a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities that I've uh, that I've been able to harness. I've been able to harness things I've learned in music and been able to use it to uh, navigate the the show, especially the showbiz part. The showbiz is the showbiz. There's still that part of things. There's a things way or there's a way things are done. There's a way you book yourself. There's a way you conduct yourself in uh, in a club setting or in a show setting, and uh, how you deal with a promoter or a club owner or a or the wait staff or whatever you want to call it. There's 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 a way you go about it that is uh, quote unquote professional, and um, and I got that part down very easily, and I've been able to use my music background and music knowledge from doing that for so long uh, and help me navigate the waters of comedy a little easier, a little better. And then there's the things like, you know, the, your jokes, you know, um, you know, writing, you know, coming up with your, your set and how you want to present your set. And uh, I often, I see the similarities of writing a good set list of, of, of music, you know, the band that we're going to play and, you know, we got to have a good set list. We got to have a nice flow and hit them with this and then have a little, maybe, breather in here and then bow hit him again you know what I like to sort of write my set list of jokes that same sort of way you know what i mean so uh there's rhythm there's pause there's quiet there's dynamics there's loud there's talking fast talking go going go, 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 and then there's slowing way down and, and and you know you know rhythm and pacing and uh dynamics those are all you know um musical sort of terms and uh, you know the rhythm of your speech and all these things all these things that are ingrained in me from music and tools that I have that I can use that I have definitely been able to use doing comedy and it's uh it's been cool it's been helpful and then it's been aight uh where are we at Saturday oh tonight I'm hosting uh the skin lab album release show i mentioned it the last podcast it's that is tonight next podcast i do definitely gonna talk about what happens tonight um uh, oh halloween oh i didn't even talk about halloween i didn't talk about Halloween. let's talk about halloween real quick um anyway the skin lab um go check out the new skin lab record it's called venomous uh it's on i um itunes and wherever you get your fucking rock and roll musics wherever you get your musics uh, the new Skin Lab record, uh, a very good, uh, pr- pretty good little slab of uh, metal, some metal for you, right? Um, Halloween, yeah, we just got through Halloween. When I spoke to you last. I was just getting ready to go do a show, and we went to do that. We did a show in uh, Livermore, Mean Dave's room. Fortunate, unfortunately, the last comedy show at Rebel Kitchen. Uh, Dave has decided to pull the plug. Uh, which seems like it's due to um, newer staff that are working there that are making things difficult. So uh, maybe they can fire that dude and Dave can do the show again, but he's not uh, not crying about it. So, uh, and, you know, it, it's a weird thing when you go do a comedy show and, and, and or you do any show and you find out that, this hey, this is the last one. We're not doing any more after this. You're like, wait a minute. Was this something I did, you know? Um, there's been two open mics that, uh, I believe I had a hand in, uh, them shutting down, um, uh, one of them definitely not my fault, um, uh, the other one possibly could have been my fault, <laughs> I did a, uh, 
I did a show. Uh, uh, it was an open mic that uh, uh, Jerry Law was running at a lobby in a hotel. It was in Fremont, and um, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he had a guest host that night, and they told us to keep it PG thirteen. And I said, well, that's as violent as possible, but maybe only one boob. Uh, they said, uh, yeah, just try to keep it clean. And I said, fuck it. And I went hard in the paint on the vulgarity because I was a new comic and that's all I have. Um, had, have, yeah, maybe some of some of the same. <laughs> um I like vulgar shit. I like saying awful things in front of strangers. I've said it a million times. And uh, so uh, definitely got some gasps, gasps from audience members at that one. Um, so uh, they didn't do any more open mics after that show. And then um, a, oh man, maybe a year and a half ago, I was doing an open mic at this place called The Growler in Danville, California. Adam uh, Ruben Field's little room that he was running. And... Um, a very intoxicated woman. Uh, I was towards the end of the lineup. There wasn't hardly anybody in there. Uh, there was me and one other comic left. And uh, I went up there and I'm doing running through my stuff. I'm getting some laughs. But still not very many people there. And a very, very intoxicated woman um, came crab walking to where we were at towards the back of the place. And I say crab walk because she was facing one way but walking another direction. If you ever seen a crab walk, it does not walk the direction it is facing. Uh, so she crab walks her drunk ass to the back and she tries to take the microphone out of my hand. And um, I said, no, lady, that's not what we do here. And she said, you're talking too much. You're up there. You're you're up there and you're ta- you're 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 up there and you're doing and you're you're talking too much. She said. In her intoxication. And I said, I don't know if you know how comedy works, lady, but it's kind of how it goes. I'm supposed to be up here and I'm supposed to talk. And you're supposed to laugh if I say something funny. And uh, she goes, you're unprofessional. And I uh, said, well, uh, in fact, I have done, I have been paid to do this. In fact, earlier this evening, I was at a show at Tommy T's and I actually got paid for that show. Uh, technically, I am professional. You, however, ma'am, have been sucking dick for free. Uh, she didn't like that. She started to yell and scream and fly off the handle. She, uh, But it made her go away from where we were. And she went after the wait staff and said, he assaulted me, she said. He has assaulted me. And they heard what happened. And the wait staff says, he did not assault you. He insulted you. You need to leave. And she got very upset. And uh, they escorted her out the door. But before she could get out the door, she was able to grab a hold of a table and upend it. She just hucked the table up, spilling all the uh, cutlery and dishes that were on the table, making a big crash. Uh, By that time, my, uh, my open mic time had been gobbled up. And the next comic was on. One Paul Conyers and Paul Conyers said, Sean, if you have planned all this in sort of an in a Andy Kaufman fashion, you are a genius, sir. And I had to uh, 
I had to uh, explain that I did not, in fact, plan any of that, and I'm sorry. I'm I I are dumb, and I couldn't come up with such awesomeness. Um, and we had a good laugh with that. Uh, the woman was out of the venue or the 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 little restaurant there for about maybe twenty seconds. And then the doors kicked back open and a another woman appeared that was uh, it was it was her daughter. It was this woman's daughter. And I only could tell it was her daughter because it looked exactly like her. But 20 years ago and uh, she kicked over the hostess stand. She went up to the bar, started mowing all the stuff off of the bar and pu- pulling it down on the ground. Uh, just thrashing, just all out thrashing the place just because um, she, you know, her mom heckled me and I said something foul back and just sent the people. Now, Danville's a fucking sort of hooty two spot, you know what I mean? Uh, it's a little bit more um, conservative. Uh, people there, the uh, Danville area got money. The kid, they have a really good school district, mostly white people. And um, it's just a... a Hooty tootier sort of place, and they um they were able to get them back out. They they were waiting for an Uber, and I can't imagine um that they uh, I, I well I have to imagine that the Uber took them back to Livermore or some place like that. Maybe even King brought them back out here to Hayward. I don't know, but um that's my uh but uh, shortly after that uh Adam. Uh, announced that that was uh, uh he was gonna do one more open mic the uh, the owners were not happy and I hit him I DM'd him I was like hey you know did what happened last week have anything to do with the mic being shut down and he responded it definitely didn't help so um shut down the growler open mic so I got two under my belt I don't think what happened at Rebel Kitchen this past Halloween I had anything to do with it was already going that way. Excuse me, but still feel a little weird that one of the last one of the last people to perform there. Um, but Halloween, Halloween came and went, and uh, my Japanese wife got to uh, see a little uh, a little how we do it here. Uh, Halloween's new for the Japanese. Uh, they don't really, they haven't really done Halloween before, um, but they have gotten into the spirit of it, especially the dressing up in costumes. Uh, they're really with that. They love that. Um, Trick-or-treating, not so much. In fact, not at all. In fact, it's a very interesting thing. Um, my wife told me that she, uh, traditionally, you do not know your neighbors. Uh, you go to your apartment or you go to your house and uh, you don't know who your neighbors even are. You don't, you don't socialize with your neighbors. You don't have a neighborly rapport. You just, they're in their house, you're in your house. Keep the noise down. Don't bother anybody. Be respectful. Uh, but you don't really know your neighbors. I thought that was very odd. Um, so the idea of trick-or-treating is definitely not anything anyone would do. Uh, so they don't do the trick-or-treating, but they definitely do the dressing up and, um, uh, you know, spirit of the dead sort of thing. Uh, so she got to see trick-or-treaters. She saw the kids all dressed up. She thought it was great. Um uh, we went to go visit my mom afterward, and my mom uh, uh, was talking about last time about watching horror films at a very younger age. And I don't think of my mom as uh, someone that's into gore and guts and stuff like that. But then I started thinking, well, shit, she used to let me watch these horror movies, and they used to love going to rent horror movies back, you know, 
back in the day going to fucking Blockbuster or whatever the hell or, or your video rental place and they're always renting horror movies. And so she's into that shit, but she, you wouldn't think that she's into that stuff. Maybe that's where I got some of it. I don't know. But my mom always goes all out on Halloween as far as uh, some makeup. Uh, always uh, very gory. In fact, there's a she's got a Facebook post uh, that she... Uh, what her whole she got her eyes are blacked out or whatever the and it just looks like the whole bottom of her fucking face is blown out like like if somebody shot a shotgun from the inside of her head and out her just her jaw it looks like it's gone and it's just face meat and just flesh just hanging off of it. it's an amazing picture it's a really really good picture. Uh, but she did it all herself. She's figured out how to do uh, very cheaply and inexpensively uh, some really cool um, sort of special effects looking makeup. And uh, and my mom has a really weird um, ability to not blink. So she could sit there and stare at you for a very long time and be very, very still and not blink. And uh, that's good for scaring kids because they think you're fake and then you give them a little twitch of the eye and they go running so um, anyway, she wanted to see my mom's makeup before she washed it all off. So we went over there and uh, talked about uh, maybe doing some something cool next year for Halloween. So uh, anyway, that was Halloween, my wife's first uh, American Halloween. And uh, she did some Day of the Dead sort of uh, uh, makeup scenario that she was, she was having fun with. So yeah, maybe next year we go a little... I, I, I miss Halloween. I miss doing something big on halloween so maybe next year anyway that's the podcast uh i will talk to you guys soon again no no schedule no schedule i'm doing podcasts whenever the fuck i want to do a podcast you just got to check in to see if your boy has put up a new one and um who knows maybe a new one will be in a couple days maybe it'll be in a week maybe it'll be in a month who knows hopefully it's sooner than that i'll check you guys out uh when i check you guys out peace and hair grease later you dirty dirties